0: Well, good morning, friends. Welcome to Christ Church. We are so glad that you've decided to spend some of your Sunday with us today. My name is Peter Solaro, and I serve on the missions team here. I'd like to offer an especially warm welcome to those of you joining us via our live stream. Perhaps you first joined us on Christmas Eve, and you're now considering whether you might like to make Christ Church part of your weekly rhythm. Or perhaps this is your first day with us this morning. But whether you're here in the building or joining us from home, please know that you are welcomed warmly by us here at Christ Church and loved deeply by your God. God loves you. He rejoices in your worship. And he desires today and always a deeper relationship with you, we would love to get to know you better, too, so if this is your first time with us, I would encourage you to reach out and connect by texting the number on your screen or visiting christchurch.us new. If you're joining us online, you can also click the New Here button or reach out to one of the hosts in the chat. Today, this first Sunday of the new year, we celebrate Epiphany that moment when, as the Gospel of John tells us, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. In celebrating Epiphany, we celebrate Jesus' outward expression of love for us. He left his rightful place in heaven to live as a human being, And then gave his life for the forgiveness of our sins. As the wise men followed the star to marvel at the baby who would be king of the Jews, so too do we now marvel at the gift of God's only begotten Son, born in a humble manger. He lived so that we might know the way, and he died so that whoever believes in him would not perish. But have eternal life. Please join me now in a responsive reading as we enter into worship together. Glory to the newborn King. God's light has come to reveal the way. God's light has penetrated the darkness. Light of God, illumine the path that leads us to healing, hope, and salvation. Glory of God, fill this sanctuary and expose the darkness that stalks our souls. Light of God, shine with such brightness that we marvel in awe. Glory of God, be with us this day as we seek to worship you. Come, let us sing to our light and our salvation. seated. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today in gratitude. We thank you for warm meals, for warm homes, and the warmth of this church family. We thank you for the privilege of worshiping you freely, without fear of persecution, and we thank you, Lord, for the gift of your Son. Fill us, we pray, with your Holy Spirit. Fill this sanctuary with your loving presence and our hearts with your peace, which passes all understanding. We confess to you, Lord, our insufficiencies, the ease with which we allow distraction to derail our discipleship the times we allow discomfort to silence us when you would have us speak. We confess to you, Lord, our willing ignorance to your calling for our lives and the times we are quick to point out the shortcomings of others before acknowledging our own. Forgive us, Lord, for the ways we squander your gifts and resources which you have entrusted to us as stewards for your kingdom purposes. In view of your mercy, Lord, we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. May they be holy and pleasing to you. Grant us the courage, Lord, to not conform to the pattern of this world. Instead, we pray that you would transform us by the renewing of our minds and that we would see more clearly your good, pleasing, and perfect will. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Friends, hear the good news. Though all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3 tells us that all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood, to be received by faith. Thus, we together can rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Friends, the price of our sin has been paid in full. Where, O death, is your victory? O death, where is thy sting? us pray. Lord, the dawn of 2021 feels to many like release from trauma. We lament the lives and livelihood lost during the pandemic. We mourn the wounds to our culture and the ways that our nation and even your church, your body, have been divided by ideology. Heal this land, Lord, and the bodies within it. Heal the hearts of those still reeling from the loss of a loved one or the separation wrought by discord. Grant us, Lord, a shared vision for a brighter future built upon your way and rooted in your truth. We pray, Lord, for those kingdom warriors, our mission partners near and far, who labor in far flung lands and here in our neighborhood to proclaim the gospel. We lift them before you and pray for your guidance and encouragement. May this be a year of renewed strength, courage, and purpose for all missionaries as they work to make your name known in every nation. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus, your precious Son, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, it's no secret that this past year has been unpredictable and uncertain for all of us. Some of us are tentatively stepping into 2021 while others of us are running full tilt. Regardless of our outlook, we are all asking, what will life be like in 2021? Where do we go from here? We're all hoping to thrive in the new year, but what does thriving truly look like? And how do we go about it? Scripture gives us a rich vision For a flourishing and thriving life for God's people, rooted in God's promises to those who faithfully follow his word. Thus, we are beginning a new series next Sunday to explore that vision. Throughout this series, we will hear God's plan for his people to remain rooted in his love and promises, flourish in his kingdom and world, and thrive in his plan and his purposes. We hope you'll join us next week for that and think about who else you might invite to join us. As we move together into a time of offering, I'd like to share a brief story with you about a friend of mine named Eric. Back in September, I was hosting our contemporary worship service and toward the end of the service, I mentioned that if there was anyone new in the audience or in the congregation uh, who were new to Christ Church, I would be thrilled to meet them. Eric came forward after the service to introduce himself. He let me know that this was his third service with us at Christ Church and that he was interested in learning more about how to get plugged in here. Eric and I had coffee the next Sunday, and I was enthralled by his story. As it turns out, firstly, he is a teacher at a school just a few blocks from my house in Westmont, and he has a rich background of serving with youth in a church context. His multicultural, multinational childhood has uniquely equipped him for both his career and for kingdom impact. When we met, he had a sense that God had something in store for him at Christ Church, but he was not yet sure exactly what. Today, Eric is enjoying fellowship with a 20-something small group here, and he is on a team that's seeking to develop smooth pathways for new people to get engaged here at our church. As we move out of the pandemic and back towards something resembling normalcy, Eric is looking forward to serving with our children's or student ministries as well. I'm telling you about Eric this morning because I hope that you too will pause to consider the story that God is writing with your life right here in this moment. You already know your background your skill set, your unique interests and gifts. But only God knows the future that he has in store for you and the unique kingdom impact for which you have been equipped. As we present to God our tithes and his offerings, I encourage you to pray about the ways that God might be planning to use the gifts of your time, talents, and treasures You can give digitally via the number on the screen or the website you see there, or you can mail in your offering, which is a great use of a favorite stamp, or drop it off inside the box outside the church building. If you're worshiping with us in person today, you can drop a gift in the offering plate on your way out of the sanctuary. Thank you for your role in making possible the ministries of Christ Church and our mission partners. The impact of your generosity stretches through the generations far further than we will ever know.
1: that. Good morning, Christ Church of Oak Brook. Uh, Those of you who are in the room this morning and to those of you who are joining us online, it is good to be with you once again. And I realize that to many of you, I might be a very unfamiliar face. Some of you might be thinking she looks really familiar, but some I might be new. So allow me to introduce myself since this is my first time in this space and, and joining you online after many years away. I was formally on staff here. By the way, my name is uh, Tara Beth Leach and I was formerly on staff here at Christ Church of Oak Brook many years ago. And then uh, for several years, I was out in Southern California as a senior pastor at a Nazarene church there in Pasadena. And recently my family and I, we have moved back here to be near my parents and near my dad, who is fighting stage four cancer, and I am thrilled to be back here among the pastoral staff here at Christ Church, and I am so looking forward to digging in the word with you this morning on this epiphany Sunday. And so I want to begin by asking you a question this morning. I want to ask you, what if, what would you say to me if I told you that I believed that I knew what your purpose in life is. I suspect you might be thinking, that's presumptuous. You don't know me. How could you presume to know what my purpose in this world is? But you see, it's not just your individual purpose. This purpose that I'm talking about is our collective purpose. It's God's big, grand, and seemingly audacious purpose for us in this world. In fact, this purpose is something that I believe so much in that I burn to preach about it. It's why I wake up in the morning. It's the very reason that I am a pastor. And I believe that this purpose in which we collectively together have been called to live out is before us with an incredible opportunity in 2021. In fact, I believe that 2021 is an incredible moment for us, perhaps more in our lifetime, to live out this purpose more than ever. And so what I wanna do with you this morning is unpack exactly what this purpose is, and this isn't just any purpose, but this is a purpose that I believe is rooted and the grand narrative of God. And so we're going to go back to the beginning, and we're going to walk through some passages in the Old Testament, and then we're going to arrive into our main text this morning, and Matthew's Gospel, after discovering what our purpose is, and then I'm going to tell you how to live it. And so before we dig in together, let us pray. God, we thank you that you are a God that sees us, that if we have breath in our lungs this morning, we have a purpose. That if we are here this morning, you have created us for something. And God, for those who are thirsting and longing to know what that is and wanting more out of life, I pray that you would give us a collective vision for what that can look like in 2021. So Lord, we thank you that your spirit is here We thank you that you are a God that speaks to us through the proclamation of your word. So in these next few moments, would you open up our hearts and minds, and may we collectively hear from you. And Lord, I pray that my words would not just be my own, but yours. So may my words bring you honor and glory and edify your people. Lord, have your way. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. In the beginning, God created. God created a grand and glorious and beautiful creation. God created Adam, and God created Eve, and God called Adam and Eve to rule over the earth, to rule over creation. God made a very good, good world, a very good and beautiful and grand creation. And as we know the story goes, it was eventually humanity that pulled that thread that caused everything to begin to unravel. And when that unraveling happened, we see a backdrop in God's very good world and God's very good creation. We see sin and evil enter into the scene. We see humans turn against one another. We see humans turn against creation. We see war, violence, murder, wickedness. We see the Bible's first murder when a brother kills his own brother. We see men take many wives for themselves. We see the powerful prey upon the weak. This is the new backdrop after humanity pulls that thread that causes everything to unravel. As a result, God looks over God's creation and it tells us in Genesis chapter 6-5 that the Lord saw the wickedness of human that it was great in the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of their hearts was only evil continually. In fact, it goes on in verse 6, the Lord was sorry that he made humankind on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. Verse 11:12 tells us the earth was corrupt in God's sight and the earth was filled with violence. God's very good creation decay and sin and corruption enters into the scene and God looks over God's creation and is sad over the wickedness and a great flood fills the earth. And if it's our first time reading scripture, we might wonder, does God have a plan? What is God going to do about this chaos? And actually, so often, what we often do when we look at the story of God, we think, well, the answer is the cross, and indeed it is. But there's so much that happens before we arrive to the Gospels. In fact, we see God's plan unfolding right away in the book of Genesis. We see that God has a plan of redemption. After the flood, we see the reminder of the rainbow, that God would redeem God's very good creation. And then just a few chapters later, we see God's plan beginning to unfold as he calls this nomad by the name of Abram. He tells him to leave his country. He tells him to leave his land and everything. And he has a plan for him. And in this incredible moment, God speaks to him. He says, Abram, I want you to go from your country, your father's household to a land that I will show you. And he says, and I'm going to make you into a great nation. He says, I'm going to bless you. He says, I'm going to make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you and all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. If you were listening, You might have heard a repetitive word and that is blessing as god moves in with this plan we will see that this plan later we see that it will be as numerous as the stars in the sky that god is going to call for himself a people and this people would live in such a way that they would be a blessing not only to one another, and not only would they experience the blessings of God, not only would they experience the blessings of their life together, but actually those on the outside would be attracted to these people because of their life together. That the world would be able to look at this people of God in which God is calling. He said, I'm gonna make you a great nation. You're going to be blessed. In other words, God has begun to restore that blessing that was broken at the fall. God says, I'm going to begin to restore that in this covenant. And as we restore this, you're going to be blessed. And the world is going to be able to look at the people of God and see what God is like. That they would be living in such a way in such a countercultural way in such a different way that the world would be blessed through them. In fact, later God tells Abram that these people is not just going to be a few select chosen people, but eventually they would be as numerous as the stars in the sky. And what we see as we walk through the Old Testament, we see God continuing to deepen and expand this covenant over and over. We see this with Moses by God calling the people to live in a very particular way, that in living in this particular way under the law, that again, the world would be able to see what God is like, they would be blessed, and the world would be blessed through them. And we see God continuing to expand this covenant with David. And as we roll through the Old Testament, what we see, as God is calling these people, and making these covenant with God's people, we see the people moving away. We see them turning their backs on God. We see them hardening their hearts on God. And over and over, what does God do? Move in with a gift of grace. God pursues, God summons, God calls. And eventually, by the time we reach the Gospel of Matthew, this story continues and reaches a new kind of climax. Some might say it reached its destination, and what we see then is exactly how deathly serious God is about keeping this covenant as his child, which we celebrated last week, born in a manger. Be the new Adam, the new Israel, the true king, fully divine human, prophet, priest in the fulfillment of all of Israel's history. And then we see this king meet his death on a cross where over 2,000 years ago he embraced the darkness, he embraced all of the sin and corruption and decay and violence upon himself heaped up on that cross. And he breathes his last breath. The good news is he was raised to new life. And what happens now, this peculiar people, who is to be a blessing to the world, has now been opened up. I often think of it as like a dining room table, when you put in the expander and you expand it and you make it bigger, and you pull up more chairs. Those chairs have been pulled up, and guess who's been invited to take a seat? We have. And now, these blessed people who are to live in this world, as numerous as the stars in the sky, is us, those now who are in Christ. We are the people of God, we are the stars in the sky, we are living in the blessings of God as God is restoring this brokenness in this world presently, in this moment, and now, Our call, our purpose, is to live in the power of Christ in such a way that the world would take notice, that the world would see that there is something rather peculiar about our life together, perhaps something beautiful, and that the world would see and say, is that what God is like? Because if that's what God is like, then I want to be a part of that. That we would live in a radiant and a beautiful way that the world would be attracted to the people of God in Christ. You see, it's like this. I am a self-proclaimed sports, I don't want to say hater because that's a strong word, and my mama always told me not to use that word, but I don't like sports. I just have never really been able to get into them, and as a pastor, of course, you're taught to give really good analogies, and there's been a time or two where I've attempted to give a sports analogy and failed miserably. I remember one time I was giving a basketball analogy, and I said, I couldn't remember what it, what it meant when you got the the basketball and the hoop, and I said, you know, the pointer, the pointer. You see, often sports analogies just fail miserably for me. But growing up, I I grew up watching the Bears. I grew up watching the Chicago Cubs. In fact, to this day, whenever I hear the Bears playing on a Sunday morning and all that background noise, it makes me want to take a nap because that's what I did growing up. But there's been a few times I've gotten excited about sports. I remember my dad just going crazy over the, the Chicago Bears and the Super Bowl shuffle. I remember him putting in that VHS and we would watch it over and over. I remember in the early 2000s when the White Sox were doing particularly well. And then, of course, the Chicago Cubs in 2016. You see, 2016, I was pastoring in Southern California. It was my first year there. And the Chicago Cubs were doing really well. And all of a sudden I was interested for the first time in my life. I I didn't know exactly what was going on. I would constantly ask my husband or those around me what was happening in the game, but it was something else that was attracting me. So I can remember going through my Facebook newsfeed or turning on the TV and seeing my people, Chicago people, in the streets and in the stadium chanting and seeing Go Cubs, Go. if you can remember that scene of all the fans outside of, of Wrigley Field. And they were just celebrating. They were so happy what was going It was a moment for our city. It was a moment for Chicago. And I remember looking, just longing to be there. I felt like I was missing out on something. There was a togetherness that you could see there in the streets that Strangers were suddenly best friends, and hugging, and there was weeping in the streets. And as I looked upon the celebration, I suddenly wanted to be a sports fan. I suddenly wanted to be a Chicago Cubs fan. And it wasn't just the sport itself that attracted me. But it was, if you will, the witness of the people, and their celebration, and their life together. You see, it had that kind of effect of an outsider looking into the community of the sports and wanting to be a part of that. And I often wonder, what if we, the people of God in Christ, the stars in the sky now, those of us who are in Christ, who are to be a blessing in this world, what if we lived in such a way that the world and those who are on the outside, those who would say, I'm spiritual but not religious, Those who would say, I'm just not into that whole church thing. Those who would say, you know, those Christians, I'm not so sure about them. But then there's something about the community, and their love, and their radiance, and their life together, and the ways that they treat and care for one another, and the ways that they hold one another up, that we too would be able to attract outsiders. You see, this is our purpose that we would live in such a way that we would display to the world that God is alive, that we would display to the world that God is light, that we would display to the world that God is love, and they wouldn't just hear it from our mouths, but they would see it in our lives. And of course, there is no one that did this better, that has attracted outsiders, than Jesus himself. Let's take a look at Matthew's Gospel, chapter two. We're gonna look at a few verses beginning at verse one. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? He saw a star when it rose and have come to worship him. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go, search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may go and worship him. After they heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshiped him. This is the word of the Lord, thanks be to God. These men were indeed outsiders, they were Gentiles, they were magicians, perhaps Zoroastrian priests from Persia who would have traveled from an occult some 1,000 miles away, they discerned somehow through reading the stars that a king would be born in Bethlehem. And they would travel such intense terrain to see, to bow down, and to worship, to get a glimpse of this radiant king. And what is so striking about this story is these, these men, these wise men, arrive in a super city. They actually meet the king of the Jews, the self proclaimed king of the Jews himself, King Herod. You can imagine the city with superstructures everywhere. King Herod sought favor from both the Jews and the Romans, and so he would build grand, beautiful, glorious structures. You would imagine when these magi arrived, they would have looked around, and I would think, they thought they met the king. But somehow they were able to discern that the king they were looking for was not, after all, this superpower among superstructures, King Herod. But instead they asked Herod, where is he and where can we find him? And of course, this sparks great controversy as he was a powerful king and did not want anyone to usurp his role. And so they left and they find the king Not among superstructures, not in a big and glorious grand city. They find a king that did not earn his seat through military conquest, or lording over, or powering over. But instead, this king was born in a manger, nothing glamorous in the margins no military victories to become a king, but instead meek and humble. And yet this is the radiant king that attracts outsiders, Gentiles from the East, one of grand beginnings and one of another. And yet it is the one in the margins, the radiant king, the radiant one that attracts outsiders from the East, not Herod, But Jesus, Jesus is after all the radiant one that even in the dark of the night, these magi were drawn to Jesus. And of course, later Jesus proclaims it himself in the Gospel of John chapter eight, when he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You see, this then is a critical point for us this morning. We as the people of God, the stars in the sky that were promised to Abram, yes, are called to be a blessing. To live in such a way that the world would be blessed through our lives together. But any attempt at doing this outside of Jesus would be utterly futile. For we are the people of God in Christ. And in order for us to live out this calling as a radiant community, that those who might say, I'm spiritual but not religious, I I might be curious about your God but not your church, but then they might take notice in our life together. And they see, Jesus in us. They see the light of Jesus exuding from our lives. They see the love of Jesus in the ways that we care for one another. You see, whether we like it or not, or whether we realize it or not, in our life together, we are always giving the world a preview of something. And we are going to either give them a preview of the new heaven and the new earth, we're going to give them a preview of God's beautiful and radiant kingdom, or we're going to give them a preview of brokenness and decay and division and bitterness and malice and envy. Which one will we give a preview of? You see, My two boys, Caleb and Noah, they are now 8 and 10 years old. And of course, we love to go to the movie theater, though it's been quite a while since we've been. But I remember in one particular evening going to see a movie, and the Lion King preview came out. And I grew up watching Lion King, and this new version of The Lion King just gripped me, and I remember just watching these these adorable lions and little Simba, and just this moment in the movie that they were previewing, and and tears actually started to come down my eyes. And I thought, I wanna see that movie. That preview had an effect on me, that it made me decide that I wanted to see that. My question for us is, what kind of preview are we giving the world? Are we giving the world a preview of God's beautiful and radiant kingdom that it would grip the world in such a way that they would be drawn to the community, that they would be drawn to us? We are giving the world a preview whether we like it or not. And perhaps the ultimate question for us, if we understand our purpose this morning, my question for you is, are you connected to the radiant one himself? Is your heart and mind connected that in the mornings when you wake, you are walking in the power and the presence of the Lord, that you are impelled and propelled and emboldened and empowered by the spirit of the living God? that the love of God would exude from you in such a way that those around you, that your children, that your grandchildren, that your nieces, that your nephews, that your friends, that those who might say, I'm not interested, do they know you are Christians by your love and by the light that exudes from you? Let us pray. Living Lord, we thank you that you have given us a purpose to live in such a way where our lives display your goodness to a weary world. Lord, we pray that we would choose to live into that today in 2021, that we collectively would lean into the radiant source, King Jesus and that the world would know that we are indeed your children. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Dismiss you this morning. We wanted to remind you that next Sunday is Communion Sunday. And so we hope to be able to see you there, and you will be able to find more information about that, of course, on Christchurch.us. And before I send you off with a benediction, for those of you who are in this room, you can hang tight as the ushers will come forward and dismiss you section by section. And so now, dear ones, may we go in the power of the Spirit today. Connected to the radiant one King Jesus himself, the light of the world, so that we together collectively may go live in our purpose and be light as Jesus calls us to be, to live in such a way that the world would be drawn in, take notice, and see the beauty of God's goodness within us. May we too attract outsiders. And so now, brothers and sisters in Christ, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace in the most powerful name of our triune God. God who created the heavens and the earth, God's very good creation. God the Son who laid down his life but was raised to new life. And God the Spirit who will propel you to live in God's radiance on this day and into 2021. May the Lord bless you, amen.